Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome, everybody. It is Friday, April 29th, 2022. It was on this day in 1861 that the House of Delegates in Maryland, the state of Maryland, with civil war looming and secession fever gripping many of the southern states, many of the slave states, Maryland's House of Delegates voted against seceding from the Union. Maryland voted to stay with the Union on this day in April 29th, 1861. On this day in 1862, the city of New Orleans, during the Civil War, fell to Union forces and would remain in Union forces until the end of the war. On this day in 1863, newspaper tycoon William Randolph Hearst was born in San Francisco, California. On this day in 1945, the Nazi concentration camp at Dachau was liberated by American soldiers while Adolf Hitler in his bunker in Berlin married Eva Braun. On this day in 1974, President Richard Nixon announced that he was releasing edited transcripts of tape recordings made in the White House. And on this day in 1992, following the Rodney King verdict against four policemen accused of excessive force and the beatings of Rodney King, Los Angeles erupted into riots following the acquittal of those four police officers. And today is also the Feast of St. Catherine of Siena, one of the great doctors of the church who had an influence in the return of the papacy from Avignon, France, to Rome after the 70 years of the Avignon papacy. That would lead to the Great Western Schism, in which for the better part of another 70 years, there would be two popes rivaling for the influence over the church as the supreme pontiff, a pope in Avignon and a pope in Rome. But St. Catherine of Siena, whose feast day is today, was extremely important in the development of that progress in the history of the church. But over the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing a lot of news regarding um, mask mandates and then, of course, the sale of Twitter to Elon Musk. And while much of it seems to be a little unrelated for the most part, one has to do with a medical issue and the danger of spreading a disease, while the other has to do with uh, perhaps the biggest, probably the biggest social media platform out there. There's kind of a common denominator among the two issues that I noticed that touches upon us as a people of faith in this country. For example, with regard to the mask mandate and the judge in Florida overturning the federal mandate to wear masks in public transportation. And by the way, here in San Francisco, apparently, uh, the city council uh, voted to keep mask mandates in place on public transportation. But last week, when the judge in Florida overturned the federal mandate, a number of public figures who were very upset posted on their social media uh, feeds that, in essence, they don't care what the judge says, they're going to wear their masks, which basically is the idea. 
when you lift a mandate, you make something optional, and they're basically saying they're exercising the option. Do they want the rest of us to follow that? Do they want the rest of us to be mandated? I don't know. I can't get inside their minds. But also, I wonder if, given that this is a release of a mandate, if these people basically in defiance are saying, I don't care what they, the judge says, I'm going to wear my mask, I wonder if they see the judge's lifting of a mandate not as the granting of an option, but if they see that as a mandate in and of itself to something that they don't want, which in this case would be a mandate to take the masks off, which of course it isn't. Because why would they get that upset? They would simply say, okay, I, for my own safety or peace of mind, will continue to wear the mask. Why do they get upset? The only thing I can think of, and maybe I'm wrong, but at least let me share with you my thoughts, is that they see the judge overturning the mandate to wear masks as a mandate to take them off. And why would someone think that? The reason they would think that is because they have put their, I guess you could say, respect and adherence to the government or government officials as the leadership that dictates their their behavior. They have been trained to follow whatever the government tells them to, and they interpret anything coming from the government as a mandate. If the government makes a suggestion of something, they recommend that you wash your hands before eating meals, they would say the government is mandating it, even though it's a recommendation. And in this particular case, the overturning of a mandate, they see as a mandate. Why? Because they've conditioned themselves to take the government action as something that's mandatory. I've encountered Catholics who have approached me, Catholics, who have said that abortion in their mind is fine because the government has said it is, and especially the Supreme Court has allowed for it. Roe v. Wade declared that it was a woman's right, therefore it's a woman's right, and we should see it as something that is not morally illicit. Others have said, you know, marriage should be open to anyone who wants it to get married to anyone because the government allows for it. Well, yesterday, in the readings that we had at the Daily Mass, I heard and preached upon an important passage in the Acts of the Apostles, in which the apostles are before the Sanhedrin, who gave them strict orders to stop teaching the name of Jesus and teaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter and the apostles responded, we must obey God rather than men. And that got me thinking, who do we recognize as the higher authority? Is it government officials or any any institution of authority? Or do we as people of faith recognize God as that highest authority? Now, in the last week, we've heard a lot of the news about Twitter being bought by Elon Musk. And it's interesting how some have reacted to that very negatively, almost as a a frenzy, panic of what this venue of free speech will now become. It's interesting, two weeks ago, he was the darling of the liberal left because he was the owner of Tesla automobiles, which are hybrid cars that do less damage to the environment and, of course, are saving the earth and are environmentally conscious. He was the darling of 
the environmentalists. Now he is public enemy number one because he has taken control of a social media platform and intends to lessen the amount of censorship to the point of doing away with it altogether, even to the point of saying he hopes his enemies and opponents remain on Twitter because they have a right to have their voice heard against him. And the reaction has been very extreme on both sides. One side is cheering. It's a groundbreaking, liberating uh, event, assuring greater free speech, and others saying even such questions as, is there such a thing as too much free speech? What kind of hate speech will be put through? Now, I'm not going to enter into that debate. But in the midst of this debate, I have been hearing a lot of talk about free speech, which is a very good thing. I'm not opposing it in this podcast, obviously. But many of them speak of it as the first of our freedoms. Correctly, they say, you can't have a free democratic society and a functioning democracy without free speech. And that is true. But they like to make reference to free speech as the first freedom that we have. Without free speech, there's nothing else. There are no other freedoms. And if we look at the Bill of Rights, we realize that that's not entirely so. And here's where it ties into the reaction to the judge's lifting of the mask mandate and people looking to the government as the authority, the highest authority, at least in their lives, to the point that they think a lifting of a mandate is a mandate itself. You look at the Constitution in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights, and it lists those important first freedoms. And it says, Congress shall make no law establishing a state religion or prohibiting the free exercise of religion. Then it goes on to say, nor to hinder free speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, and the freedom to redress grievances. Now you look at that, and the first freedom in that list is not freedom of speech. It's not even freedom of the press. And yet we hear people constantly defending, especially freedom of the press. But nowadays we're hearing people vigorously defending free speech. But how often do we hear people defending the real first freedom? in that Bill of Rights, and that is the freedom of religion. In other words, the freedom to obey God rather than men. That's the first freedom in our Constitution. And even in another place of the Constitution, where we have the no religious test clause, where they want the citizens and people involved in government service to be loyal to the Constitution, but they also want them to be loyal to their conscience as dictated by their faith and their religion, that it will not be a test for anyone who seeks to serve in any capacity of government in the United States. But the first freedom is, in fact, the freedom to obey God rather than human beings. And I wonder if we've ever looked at the other freedoms of the First Amendment through that lens, the lens of freedom of speech and the protection of religious freedom against the state. Separation of church and state is not a protection of the state from the church. It's a protection of the church from the state. And the state does not hinder freedom of religion. The state does not hinder our freedom to obey God before human beings. But what if we looked at all the other freedoms in the Bill of Rights in light of our freedom of religion? So what do we have? The first 
freedom, freedom of religion. The next is freedom of speech, to preach that faith. Freedom of the press, to write about and read about that faith. Freedom of assembly, to worship the God in whom we profess a faith, and freedom to petition the government to enact laws not to establish a state religion, but to enact laws that reflect the values that come from faith. Have we ever thought of looking at all the freedoms of that First Amendment through the lens of the freedom that is in fact first? And all of them are there for the living and the spreading, the preaching, the reading, and the fostering of the presence of faith in our society and a society whose values are based upon faith. Even though they don't compel a religion, they still reflect the faith and the values of the people of faith who make up that society. Now, you look at the end of yesterday's reading when St. Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. The reading ends with the line, when they heard this, the Sanhedrin, they became infuriated and wanted to put them to death. Infuriated at the apostles. How might the reaction be to any of us in our society today if we were to assert as individuals, but hopefully as a group, as a community of faith, as a church, the fact that the First Amendment is not freedom of speech, a very important freedom, don't get me wrong, but the first freedom is in fact freedom of religion, freedom to obey God rather than men, that there is a higher authority than the government in this country. Which is why the judge in Florida, when she lifted the mandate, overturned the mandate to wear masks in public transportation, this judge was not in fact imposing another mandate. It was leaving it up to the individual, their own consciences, their own sense of their health and the security for themselves and their families. But those who objected to that ruling acted as if she was imposing the opposite mandate, that we have to take the masks off. And I certainly hope people do. We can't be a society of anonymity, faceless individuals populated by a bunch of uh, obsessive-compulsive germophobic hypochondriacs who somehow have the attitude that everyone out there can give me a disease. That's not a good attitude to have toward other people out there. Nor the attitude that because I'm afraid of getting sick, everyone else has to wear a mask. Or if I'm cold, everyone else has to wear a sweater. But the judge did not impose another mandate. She lifted a mandate and made it an option according to our conscience and according to our sense of our safety and health. And protection of our health and the health of the families under one's care. In other words, there's a higher authority than a government that says you have to do something. They can't make you do something. In this particular case, masks. Now, there are obviously other things that the government can mandate, we, certain crimes we can't commit, and so on and so forth. But we are left to our own individual autonomy, our own consciences, our own good sense, our own common sense as a free people and as a free society. And as a free society, we have the freedom 
of religion to profess what faith we want or no faith at all, and to live our lives according to the dictates of that conscience which is formed by faith. And our founding fathers wanted a government populated by people who did not have to deny their faith so that that faith could be the foundation upon which they govern. The values of that faith would be the foundation upon which they govern. And that is the first freedom, not freedom of speech, not freedom of the press. And I'm not for doing away with any of them. But we need to look at those other freedoms through the lens of the first freedom, which is freedom of religion. And not enough people defend that freedom nowadays. Maybe we give kind of a, um, some lip service to the freedom of, of speech because we have people on both sides of the political spectrum who want to silence the opposition and to have their voices be the only ones heard. And I certainly hope Mr. Elon Musk is sincere in what he says he wants to do with Twitter. And I certainly hope that when we have people who do expound hate speech on Twitter, that the market will simply abandon them. We won't pay attention to those tweets. We won't follow those tweets. We won't follow the people who express hateful rhetoric. But again, who are we to determine what's hateful and what's not? If we find it objectionable, we don't follow it. If other people find it objectionable, they won't follow it. And if the majority of people find it objectionable, guess what? That person will not be successful on Twitter. People's conscience and good sense will monitor that rather than a group of people in an office determining that they will censor what they don't like. And it might be something religious and it might be something politically conservative or in the future might be something politically liberal. But let us determine what we will expose ourselves to and what we will listen to according to our conscience as dictated by our faith, that first freedom of the Constitution. And so there is a commonality between the massive news that came out of that judge's overturning of the mask mandate because she wasn't imposing another mandate she was recognizing people's good sense can determine whether or not they will wear a mask. And the government has no business imposing that on people. And unfortunately, there are people out there who cannot make a decision unless it's ordered them by the government or the government becomes their measure of morality. Ergo, there are people who say, even Catholics who say, Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court, decision declared that abortion was fine, therefore it should be considered fine. And they're very upset that the Supreme Court in the not-so-distant future may rule to overturn that, but are they going to decide, well, the Supreme Court has decided that abortion is wrong or now must be decided by the state governments, and many state governments will work to limit it or outlaw it outright, and other state governments will not. They'll work to protect it and make it more accessible. And frankly, they may be confused because who do we listen to, one government or another? But those of us of a Christian faith, at least, and especially a Catholic faith, it doesn't matter what government says, whether it's the legislature, the executive, or the judiciary, in this case, the Supreme Court. Anyone in any level of government or any institution of authority declares something contrary to our faith, such as the sanctity of life, we will be contrary to that. So the Supreme Court declared abortion to be a woman's right, and we, according to the dictates of our conscience, as formed by faith, our first freedom, 
We say with the apostles, it is better to follow God rather than men, better to obey God rather than human beings. And the same thing with the whole question of marriage. And it will be with regard to the freedom of speech that is coming out of the controversy with Elon Musk. And it will be with the continuing, ongoing controversy over mask mandates and the continued recovery from the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns and the economic damage that that did. But in the midst of all these news cycles, as I said before, I'm hearing, as we should, people defending free speech. Free speech should be defended. And it should be absolute. If you don't like what someone says, you can shut them out. You can walk away. But we have to remember what our real first freedom is, and that is freedom of religion. If we ever lose our freedom of religion, the other freedoms will not be long in following, or it will be the last holdout of our freedoms. It will be the last freedom to fall. It will be the first with the others falling not too long after. And so I just thought I would share those thoughts today uh, because there are important issues that as a society we're grappling with and we'll probably grapple with in the very near future. And it's high time that we did. But don't stop at freedom of speech when it comes to defending our rights from the Constitution. We need to go to the first freedom and we need to hear more people defending that, defending our freedom of religion. We need to see the other freedoms through the lens of that first freedom And it will probably lead to a great deal of indignation where when people hear us state that it is better to obey God than human beings, like we hear in the Acts of the Apostles, they will become infuriated. Some may even want to do harm to us. But we can't be afraid of defending freedom of religion as vigorously, if not more vigorously, than we defend freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And it's pretty vigorous, those other two. But we need to hear more people defending freedom of religion. So those are my thoughts for today in light of what's been going on in society. Uh, Thank you for joining me. And with any luck, hope you're having a good Easter season. And I will talk to you again soon.